think the coolest version is Simon Wolf. That that's the one I choose to believe for Mr. Saint Germain was that he is Simon Wolf. Fuck being Italian, fuck being a Portuguese guy. He was Simon Wolf, that guy. That yeah. Maybe. I don't no, know. It's that was the first Kate, thing that Steve said. He said Kate, some people thought that he was this guy named Simon Wolf. Some people thought that he was Spanish. Some people thought that he was Portuguese. I thought Kate, his name did was you Simon know that? Wolf because that's the coolest one. Yeah, that's a good name. Did you know Kate Beckinsale used to check into hotels with the name Sigourney Beaver? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I just looked it up. Welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Steve, along with the other Steve. Toiki Day. And Ryan. Hey, that came through this time. That came through this. That must be a powerful beverage. It's a Bud Light Seltzer Warhead flavor. Wait, sour or or hot? Sour. No, 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 not hot. Good, no. God, no. Uh, this sour. alcohol is so sour that if you drink it, you'll, your face just, it will explode from the top, like the it's, image on the warhead. I was, so I was in the liquor store last night, and I just ran in quick to grab something to drink, and uh, I noticed this guy was stocking Bud Light Seltzer Sours, and I was like, what? Fuck it. Let's go. So, I mean, they taste like warheads. You know that that guy was buying them for the hooker that he got. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> you know, that's that's the stuff Baby, that the Joker keeps. The, that, Joker. That the Joker? Yeah, that the Joker keeps in his uh, flower, you know, that shoots. People think it's acid, but it's actually Bud it's Light. Bud Light Warhead Seltzer Sour. Ryan's going to spill some of that on his desk. And it's just going to start, like, smoking up. and going like, to eat a hole. Through the desk. It's going to yeah. eat a hole through my $35 Ikea desktop. <laughs> I get a grin again. <laughs> More so than usual. <laughs> Uh, now the, the the layer, like the protective layer of the IKEA desktop, is pretty pretty powerful. But you get down to the particle board, it's it's literally yeah. made up of like dead workers from the IKEA That's, factory. Yeah, <laughs> those, all those all those East German prisoners that they used in the eighties. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's God. fantastic for a desk, but yeah, it's if you hit it too hard. Um, not saying that I've I've hit my desk playing COD and getting smoked by sixteen year olds, but yeah, uh, you can easily damage these. <laughs> These IKEA yeah. tops, but they're nice though. Oh, they're I got, nice. I, I like got, them. I got one. This thing's, this thing's the a yeah. Beast. Me and me and Steve have the same desk. Oh yeah, we have yeah, the same. It's, it's, it's a pretty, pretty popular, pretty popular desk, I think. I got the one that's got the two IKEA drawers on either side, and then just the desk piece on top. No, I only got one set of drawers near me, under my jeans. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking Everything of else sets of drawers, <laughs> speaking of underwear. <laughs> We're going to be talking about the king of underwear today. Um, Fruit of Loom. A- actually, actually, we're going to be... Yeah, we're not talking about um, Anton... Uh, Levi. Uh, Levi Strauss or whatever. Oh, we're not talking about Michael Haynes? Yeah. <laughs> Joseph Fruit of the Loom. <laughs> Joey Looms. <laughs> um, we're going to be talking about mysterious people today that we know existed, but we don't really know like where they came from and where they went. Jesus Christ. Uh, okay. That, that was not guy, a term yeah. of exasperation. That was a term, that was an example. Talking about Christ himself. <laughs> Talk yeah. about the late or, JC or herself. Jesus. Did he exist? The late JC, um, probably. So the first one we're going to talk about is the uh, the Count of Saint Germain. Nice. Who is a who's a very prominent uh, figure in, in sort of like occult circles, um, but throughout a lot of his life, he he was just sort of like. 
I don't want to say he was like a, a con artist, but he was pretty much just like, you know those stories nah, about how... he was like a grifter. Yeah, but it was more like those stories of people who like pretend to be rich and like throw big parties. Like, yeah. And scam like, you know, the wealthy people into paying for the parties. Yeah. I see, that, that was pretty I much you. him. Yeah. It didn't well, you know... I thought he was a philosopher. Part. I thought he was a philosopher. Well, he was a he, he was a musician. Uh, he played the violin, and he did conduct um, certain pieces that we do have. Um, but in terms of like philosophy, a lot of that gets gets conflated later on, and we'll we'll sort of go into like why that is. And this is why I'm here, so you can correct my misknowledge. I guess we'll behavioral correction. <laughs> I've been quoting the Count of Saint Germain for years. No, I always thought that he was a philosopher because somebody, well, some prince, was like, "Hey, this is the greatest philosopher of all time." He's quotable. Like there, I believe there's like a like a whole bunch of quotes, but I, I think they might be misattributed. Probably fair, you know, like those, yeah. those Facebook uh, quote yeah. pictures. Don't believe right. everything you read on the internet. Quoted himself by Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, and he thinks a dildo if you're brave enough. Quoted by Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's be honest. Uh, ben Ben probably did say that. Yeah, that's true. Actually, that might be an yeah. accurate quote. He, he was, was that why he, he was, was on his rooftop? <laughs> was that why he was on his rooftop with a key hanging out of his ass in a lightning storm? <laughs> that's let's see. That's what happens. Let's see. <laughs> That's what actually. There was no was, balloon. No, no, the see, kite. The kite. They, they. That's the, see, that's what they tell the kids. It was a kite. If you really, yeah, was he was just pants around his ankles with a key up his ass, sticking out of his ass, aiming towards the heavens while thunder and lightning were or lightning was striking all around him. He's, he actually he, invented electro stim. That's right. Because see, <laughs> because at the time he had been through so much trauma down there that he had to find new sources of uh, stimulation. So he <laughs> decided to attach a metal object during a lightning storm. And whammo. <laughs> wow, this got vulgar. All right. Oh, man. M.A. Right. Rated M.A. this episode. Rated M.A. for mature. So, the... Peggy, 18. The origin... <laughs> 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 Peg me with a key 18. Oh, we, we, we have some European listeners, so, you know, I had to hit oh, it for that's, them, too. That's awesome. If you're listening to this in Australia, you broke the law, so you need to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> and just not listen. You, you gotta flip that switch in your house that, like, burns everything down, like, in uh, conspiracy theory. Flip the Chelsea Boomer switch! <laughs> so... The cow would claim that he was the son of a uh, prince of Transylvania named uh, Francis II, uh, Rakuzi. Um But this can't really be confirmed, and uh, we do know that Francis II had an eldest son named Leopold George. Um, but uh, it's believed that Leopold George died at the age of four. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, so... Some some speculated that this identity that he had was to safeguard himself from um, persecution um, against the Habsburg uh, dynasty, because um, at the time of his um, arrival in um, in Schleswig um, in Germany in 1779, um, Saint Germain uh, told Prince Charles of of Hesse Castle that he was 88 years old. Um, that would mean that he was born in 1691. Uh, when his supposed father would have been 15 years old, so well, not know, they were they were definitely spitting them out earlier back then. <laughs> yeah, so not not crazy. I mean, I would be more questioning of well, his living to the ripe age of 88 in these years than I would somebody yeah, birthing a child at 16. I mean, think of well, how many poxes and dropsies you have to avoid. You incredible. Know? Well, usually in during this time period, if you're if you're of the nobility, 
you usually don't get married until you're 18. Um, like you're, you're betrothed before then, but you don't actually get married until um, you're you're of age. Steve, let me let me go ahead and quote Tina Turner here. What's love got to do with it? <laughs> I mean, his dad could have been, fucking, you know. <laughs> Um, he was supposedly educated in Italy um, by the last of the of the Medici's uh, named uh, Gian uh, Gastone, um, and who was also his alleged mother's brother-in-law. I love the Medici's; so fucking interesting. Allegedly, <laughs> he was also he was also believed to be a student at the University of uh, Siena. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of times, too, throughout <clears throat> his um, life, he would sort of like come up with different sort of uh, facts and origins for himself that, that sort of made it hard to follow uh, where he was from, and he would also use pseudonyms when he was going to different places in Europe. Ron Mexico. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You gotta, you gotta look up the Michael Vick uh, <laughs> pseudonym list. <laughs> I'm not really gonna. He was. Look that up. If you look at the, if you look at it, the pictures of him, he looks just like that, uh, that white version of Michael Vick that ESPN made for that. Oh, one bro, article. that was the funniest fucking thing I had ever seen in my life. <laughs> oh. They literally whitewashed Michael Vick. It was incredible. I it mean, was a slow news day. It was ESPN too. Like ESPN did it. That's just weird, man. It wasn't like a hey look what we found on Twitter slow news day. It was like hey look what our interns did because they were bored as shit. Uh, according to author uh, Phineas Taylor Burnham in his book The Humbugs of the World, um, in 1886, he says quote unquote the Marquis de Crequoy declared that Saint Germain was an Alsatian Jew, uh, Simon Wolf by name, and was born at Strasbourg about the close of the 17th or the beginning of the 18th century. Others insist that he was a Spanish Jesuit uh, named Imar, and others again intimate that his true title was the Marquis de Betmar, and that he was a native of Portugal. The most plausible theory, however, makes him the natural son of an Italian princess and fixes his birth at San, San uh, Germano in Savoy about the year 1710, his ostensible father being one Rotondo, Would you a call him? collector of that district. <laughs> he was born a one Carlos Danger. <laughs> his, father, his father, Rotondo, who has killed more than one man for making fun of him. Uh, <laughs> hey, Rotondo, maybe you eat less pasta, you know? Bang! So, Rotondo, ah, <laughs> Noted He-Man mainstay, Rotondo. I think Apparently, I uh, just want you guys to know. Go ahead, go ahead, sorry. I think the coolest version is Simon Wolf. That That's the one I choose to believe for Mr. St. Germain, was that he is Simon Wolf. Fuck being Italian, fuck being a Portuguese guy. He was Simon Wolf, that guy. That, yeah, maybe. I don't no, that, know. That was the first Kate, thing that Steve said. He said Kate, that some people thought that he was this guy named Simon Wolf. Some people thought that he was Spanish. Some people thought that he was Portuguese. I so thought Kate, he was, his name was Simon that? Wolf because that's the coolest one. Yeah, that's a good name. Did you know Kate Beckinsale used to check into hotels with the name Sigourney Beaver? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I just looked it up. <laughs> I think he, I think the Count of Saint Germain was Sigourney Beaver. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay <laughs> all right then back to the story back um, to the lecture at hand but we know that this is a real person though correct 
Yes, he was a real person. So we have evidence um, that he's a real person. We just don't know where the fuck he yeah, came from. He's not on Twitter. He's a real guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's not drill. Okay. No. Yeah. So he uh, he starts going under the title of the Count of St. Germain um, in the early 1740s, as far as we can tell. Um, so uh, according to a uh, story of David Hunter, um, he contributed um, some songs uh, to an opera performance called uh, the Leon Constanza de Lusa at the Haymarket Theater in London um, on all but one of the Saturdays um, during a period of February 9th to April 20th in 1745. Hmm. The Haymarket Theater is a popular theater too, isn't it? I believe it is. I'm not really that that familiar with the uh, the theaters of old London, but I just I remember. You, I thought that's what you wrote your dissertation. <laughs> I was lied to. I was told that you know exactly what's going on with all the theaters. Yeah, I oh, know that was the Stay Market Theater. Ah. Uh, um. Uh, so later, <laughs> I didn't catch my breath. Uh. So later in the December of 1745... Sigourney uh, Beaver. <laughs> Horace Walpole mentions that Sigourney Beaver had been arrested. Um, well done. Um, in London on suspicion of espionage. Um, this was during the uh, the ongoing uh, Jacobite rebellion of that year. Because um, remember the Jacobites um, are the, uh, the deposed uh, kings that were... Um, that were sort of... Uh, kicked out of um out of england and then they brought in um the uh the uh george the first and we don't like mm. the Jag- the jacobites right <clears throat> oh we Isn't do the, the jacobins are they the same thing the jacobins and the jacobites yeah a, a jacobin is a singular uh jacobite is like the plural because there's still like a, a jacobin magazine <laughs> do we like, do, do we like well, the jacobites or do we not like them well, because because Jacobins are like sort of like they're socialists, um, right? Well, well, they're not socialists because they supported uh, the House of Stuart. At the time, they weren't socialists. The the house with the little mouse, the little rat. No, the no the maga. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the magazine socialist. Why would you support a rat? <laughs> Why would? Yeah, exactly. Why would you? Well, I mean, you know, it should be the House of about. Little. Is all I'm saying. It shouldn't be the House of Stewart. It should be the House the of house Little. Is, the House of Stewart Little. Now the house. No, money. it should be the House Little. House Little. House Little of Stewart. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. We're just filling in time because we can't have like a, a long stretch while Steve looks something up because I can tell he's, <laughs> he's looking something up. Well, the the Jacobites themselves, it was more to do with Catholic and Protestant, whereas the Jacobites were predominantly uh, Catholic. I believe ah, okay. Jacobin sort of like takes its name from the fact that the the Jacobites were sort of seen as like these uh, radicals because they wanted to overthrow the monarchy and install um, a, a sort of like a Catholic um, absolute king. Mm. Uh, okay, so they wanted to overthrow the monarchy and install the monarchy. Gotcha. They wanted to throw right. out the Hanoverians, who was George's um, right. family. They were anti-monarchist monarchists. Right. <laughs> um, so uh, Walpole has this to say on the arrest of um, of the Count Saint Germain. Uh, the other day, they seized an odd man who goes by the name of Count Saint Germain. He has been here these two years and will not tell who he is or whence, but profess 
two wonderful things. The first, that he does not go by his right name. And the second, that he never had any dealings with any woman, nay, nor with any... Uh, not even once. Denim. Women. Virgin, not through, even, through. Not even once. The original full, incel. Full sale. <laughs> the original he's a incel. Oh, he's a volsale. He's, he's a volsale, because if he's an incel, you know, he's trying, but he can't get it. But All if right. he's a volsale... He's like, I'm keeping these women away. I'm, I'm just, I'm charging up my power. I don't follow these fucking virgins that close. <laughs> yeah, just, me neither. Uh, it's incel as far as I, as far as is, I know. He, he is called an Italian, a Spaniard, a Pole, a somebody that married a great fortune in Mexico and ran away with her jewels to Constantinople, a priest, a fiddler, a vast nobleman. The Prince of Wales has had un, uh, unsatiated curiosity about him, but in vain. However, nothing has been made out against him. He is released and convinces me that he is not a gentleman. Stays here and talks of his being taken up for a spy. I've now I've heard that. I've is heard he a that, spy though? Yeah, I've heard people think that he was a spy. Was he? Because he's saying he isn't. He's just you know. Well, well that's what a spy would say. Exactly what a spy would say. I would say if I was a spy, if someone asked me and they were just like, "Hey, are you a spy?" and I'd be no, like, I'm a spy. "No." course not why would you why would you think and then i'd run really fast in the opposite (laughs) direction you you throw some sand in their face ah, pocket sand i'm not a spy are you a spy flip it around you gotta turn it around you have to tell me reverse psychology (laughs) you just give them the you give them the quick questions and then you get to the one question where you're just like (laughs) what year did you like how old were you when you became a spy i was about 20 Oh, oh you almost got me Oh, that reminds me of the high school jokes. Hey, do your parents know you're gay? Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, the early high 2000s were a fucking uh, wild just, place. They were a fucking wild place, dude. <laughs> People were saying some shit they just should never have said. Oh, my let's God. Not, let's not have a whole topic about that, but that was just a terrible time for everybody. But that's the kind of technique they're using. Probably, yeah. Your My mom's dead, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Your mom's thing. My mom's dead. Oh, we can't joke now. His mom's dead. <laughs> he's asking. He's like doing like rapid fire questions. Oh yeah, but did your mom know you're a spy? Yeah, my mom knows I'm a spy. Oh, he got me. Ah. <laughs> oh, we got him. Uh, you count of Saint Germain, huh? <laughs> it all adds up now. Get it? <laughs> count. Uh, I, <laughs> I hate you. That- <laughs> The Count would give two private uh, musical performances in London in April and May of ni- uh, 1749. Um, and at one occasion, um, a, a lady, uh, Jemima uh, York, was in the audience, and she described him as very much entertained by him or at him the whole time. I mean, the oddness of his manner, which it is impossible not to laugh at. Otherwise, you know, he is very sensible and well-bred in conversation. Hmm. Hmm. He is an odd creature. The more I see him, the more curious I am to know something about him. He is everything with everybody. He talks ingeniously uh, with Mr. Ray, uh, philosophy with Miss, uh, Lord Willoughby, and is, and is gallant with Miss York, Miss Carpenter, and all the young ladies. Gilda Ray? Gilda Ray. We're, we're a bit late for that. Ah. <laughs> but the character and philosopher is what he seems to pretend to and to be a good deal conceited of. The others are put on to comply uh, with les manières du monde, but that you are to suppose his real characteristic. And I can't but fancy he is a great pretender in all kinds of science, as well as that he really has acquired an uncommon share in some. 
You know what this or, guy reminds me of? Have you ever read Stephen King's book, Needful Things? Yeah. This guy reminds me the way Steve no. describes him as the shopkeeper from Needful Things. He is I've seen the Rick and Morty episode. Yeah, okay. I mean, like, if, you, if you've seen the Rick and Morty episode, that will t- completely suffice. Same yeah, idea. I have a goal of reading all of Steve, Stephen King's uh, stuff in my lifetime, but I just have not. I'm still working on Wheel of Time. I have done it. The only thing of his I have not read is Cujo, strangely enough. Yeah, fuck that book. <laughs> Goddamn. Goddamn dog phobia. Side note, Desperation is the best book that Stephen King ever wrote. Don't at me. I don't even want to talk about it. Mm. All right. I will not be taking questions. I will not be taking questions at this time. <laughs> <laughs> This 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 is over. This I I this press conference is over. It That's is one a of really my f- good book, and the movie was terrible because it was like all yeah. Stephen King's adaptations are terrible for TV because he just writes so well that it, it takes your imagination to to see it. If that makes sense. That's one of my favorite ways to end an opinion. By the way, I will not be taking questions at this time. Let's move on. <laughs> I said what I said. <laughs> I said what I said. Um. Walpole would uh, say of St. Germain that he spoke Italian and French with the greatest faculty, um, but it was evident that neither was his language he understood Polish and soon learned to understand English and talk it a little, but Spanish or Portuguese seemed his natural language. So it's, I mean, and that's pretty easy to tell, even with someone who's a, a polyglot, you can normally tell. Like what, what their language. original language is? Yeah, they're just really good at that one language. Right. Uh, Walpole concludes that the Count was um, was a uh, man of, of quality um, who had been in or, or designed for or had worked for the church. A man of quality. Craftsman. Available at Sears. <laughs> uh, I almost threw up. <laughs> that was just... I wasn't uh, expecting that Sears nod at the end there. <laughs> Shout out to Sears. Rip. F F in the chat for Sears, I guess. They're gone, aren't they? Uh, the one in Gainesville's much. gone. It's out of the it's out of the Gainesville Mall. It's gone. It's now UF Health uh Ear and Eye Center. That's cool. Yeah, in the mall. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Right. It's capitalism cool. at its worst. There's good parking though, you know. Ah, uh, somebody who's clearly never been to the mall in Gainesville. Oh, I've definitely never been to the mall in Gainesville. It's so bad. <laughs> the only thing, I'll, my only memory of Gainesville, no, it wasn't Gainesville. Never mind. Um, so Walpole also states, you know, that he was a pretty good uh, musician, and he could see that if he wasn't a noble, he probably could have been uh, famous. Um, and he describes uh, uh, Count Saint Germain as having uh, extremely black hair and a beard, um, and that he dressed magnificently. Um, and had several jewels, and was clearly receiving uh, a large remittance, um, but made no other figure. What does Meaning that mean? That he, what does that mean? That, that, that means he probably had some form of allowance, you know, some, uh, some sort of okay. trust fund or something. But he's uh, not he's making trust, anything. Okay. He's no a trust jobs, fund though. baby. These fucking silver spoon kids. It's, it's interesting, too, because he describes him as having, like, black hair and a beard. But when you get to like sort of like the occult depictions of him, he's usually depicted in Theosophy as having like blonde hair because they're super racist. The Theosophists, yes, very racist, one hundred percent. Um, in seventeen forty eight, Saint Germain would pop up in the French court. Seventeen forty eight, and in seventeen forty nine, he was um, 
he was sent on a diplomatic mission by Louis the Fifteenth. So where? Uh just just diplomatic missions around Europe. Oh. It's uh it's like when you and your homeboy are at the bar and you got this chick and you're trying to close, so you tell your homeboy, Hey, go on a diplomatic mission and go talk <laughs> to her friend and get her the fuck out of here so we can all leave together. You've been diplomatic negging her missions. straight for about six hours and you're yeah. thinking you finally made some headway through the yeah. rock that is her heart. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking goddamn poor art is bullshit. This this yeah, came you know, from a that came from a place her. of pain, dude. You wanna talk about that? <laughs> no, I I'm I'm making a joke about poor artists, you know. <laughs> like the, yeah, the douchebags that just like are all they do is pick up women that's all they try to do it's like that one guy on on channel five who talked about how he's made out with over a thousand women or something like that julius irving <laughs> <laughs> will chamberlain well yeah wilt the still that's right well, i say wilt wilt's done more than make out with a thousand women yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's made out with a million women according to him um it, during this time as well um uh, a mime and English comedian um, known as uh, Milord Gower would impersonate Saint Germain um, in Paris salons uh, while he was off on these diplomatic missions. Um, and because of his like wilder stories that he would tell than the real counts, uh, for instance, he claimed that he had advised uh, Jesus. What? Um, <laughs> like the Jesus? Like the late JC yeah. himself? Yeah. <laughs> the original JC. Hey, you're not getting anywhere by flipping over these money changer tables. <laughs> <laughs> One day you're gonna have to invest. Might I suggest Jesus coin? <laughs> which, which this also goes into like Christ the coin and, and the uh, that's sort of like the, he's a hidden master. You did know, you say his a, name was? Immortal. Did you say his name was Milord? No, his first name was or his first title was like Milord Gower. Oh, his title was Milord. Okay. Uh, yeah. uh, I thought I thought it was like some guy who named named himself Milord, so people would call him that. You know. Like, I thought you said, well, he thought he said he's a comedian, so that's probably like his, you know. That would be a great way to name someone. Like you name your kid Malord, so people would go, "Thank you, Malord." Like, <laughs> Gee, got him, got him. I thought you said Malort. I was like, no, no fucking way. Yeah. No, no, they're not from Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Jepson, Jesus was Jepson from the south Malort. side. <laughs> Jesus was here? from the south side of Chicago, and he brewed Malort. Oh God. Um, in the memoirs of uh, Giacomo uh, Casanova, Giacomo. Um, he, de- he described uh, several meetings he had uh, with the Count of St. Germain, who he described as a celebrated and learned imposter. Oh, he's a con man. Uh, okay. Um, so yeah. in the first meeting he had, which was in Paris in 1757, he wrote, The most enjoyable dinner I had with Madame de Robert uh, Gergi, who came with the famous adventurer known by the name of the Count de St. Germain. This individual, instead of eating, talked about the beginning of the meal to the end, and I followed his example in one respect as I did not eat, but listened to him with the greatest attention. It may safely be said that as a conversationalist, he was unequal. What? Saint Saint Germain gave himself over uh, out for a marvel and always aimed at exciting amazement, which he was which he often succeeded in doing. He was a scholar, linguist, musician, and chemist, good-looking, and a perfect ladies' man. For a while, he gave them paints and cosmetics. He flattered them, not that he would make them young again, which he modestly confessed was beyond him, but that their beauty would be preserved by means of a wash, which, he said, cost him a lot of money, but which he gave away freely. He had contrived to gain the favor of Madame de Pompadour, 
who had spoken about him to the king, uh, for whom he had made a laboratory in which the monarch, a martyr to boredom, tried to find a little pleasure or distraction at all events by making dyes. The king had given him a suite of rooms at, at Chambord and a hundred thousand francs for the construction of a laboratory, and according to St. Germain, the dyes discovered by the king would have materially beneficial influence on the quality of French fabrics. He got a hundred thousand francs in the 1700s? That's a lot of francs, bro. That's a fuck To make a laboratory. Francs. Yeah, but that's a wasn't, lot of francs, bro. Wasn't Madame de Pompadour, like, the number one, uh, like, courtier, like, uh, yeah, she was like the the prime. Yeah, the the prime. Like she outlived, didn't she outlive the first king she was in service to? Yeah, yeah. Fuck crazy. Even when she was like old, she was still she was still like, macking. She was macking. Yeah. Uh, the extraordinary man intended by nature to be the king of impostors and quacks would say in an essay, assured manner that he was 300 uh, years old, that he knew the secret of the universal medicine, that he possessed a mastery over nature, that he could melt diamonds, professing himself capable of forming out of 10 or 12 small diamonds, one large one of the finest water without any loss of weight. All this, he said, was a mere trifle to him. Notwithstanding his boasting, his barefaced lies, and his manifold eccentricities, I cannot say I thought him offensive. In spite of my knowledge of what he was and in spite of my own feelings, I thought him an astonishing man as he was always astonishing me. I have found the alkahest and this it is, is grape drink. This not is, juice, drink. This is this is <laughs> fucking Trump syndrome. He's a con man, he's lying, I mean, and yeah, everybody like, knows he's lying, but he's astonishing. I still well, yeah, like cause, him. Because Donnie is, he is clearly just base- uh, humanity. Not you know, like his, if, like he they like Steve literally just said it doesn't matter what the fuck he did. The guy said, "Eh, yeah, listen, he wasn't really that offensive. He wasn't yeah, he's that a, bad. He's, well, a, he's, he's a he's narcissist. probably more entertaining. That's what I'm saying. This is like early Trump. This is Trump in the 1700s. He's entertaining. Sort of. I'd say sort of, but the thing is, is that I think I think the difference is that Saint Germain had some bearing, and Trump is literally a wet fart. So, he had some legitimate uh, redeeming yeah. qualities. He's just like the yeah, because Trump's just like the Gossam column. He's just yeah, like, exactly. Like, in a bad he's like magazine. that Jennifer, Jennifer Garner. She's a dog. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you right now. The funniest thing Trump ever did was when he was he was criticizing like CNN for saying that he couldn't hold water, and he one handed took a sip of a bottle of water, just chucked it off stage. It was it was unintentionally the funniest fucking thing he had ever done with that stupid smug little fucking smirk of his, and it was uh, hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, if he could yeah. just stay as a goddamn entertainer and not try to like come into the political sphere, he would have been great. He would well, have been great. I, I don't want to go down this line again, but we've we've kind of agree that I don't think he ever intended to be president. No, nah. no, no, never, never intended. He wanted the 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 you could fame see of running. You could see it on his face during mm-hmm. that first Obama meeting. Like you could draw conclusions all you want, but no. There's the night no he way. won, you never. can look at his he, face. The night he, he won, never he wasn't intended there. No. to be there. No. no, he wanted the fame and get the recognition and the attention for running, but he didn't want to win. So that he could parlay that into business ventures. That's the only reason that he was there. Correct. It's fucking ridiculous. It's America, baby. Yeah. <laughs> God, I hate it so much. I love it. In in March of 1760. Um, during the Seven Years' War, uh, St. Germain would go to The Hague 
um, within the Dutch Republic. Good. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> he he stayed um, in Amsterdam. Uh, he stayed with uh, the bankers um, Adrian and Thomas Hope, um, and pretended he he came to borrow money for uh, Louis the Fifteenth um, with diamonds as collateral. Right. I'm here for the king. I'm gonna borrow a, a king. Can I get the twenty spot? Yeah, I got some Yo, diamonds and collateral. Yo, spot me some francs. <laughs> I need like you know a couple hundred thousand straight. I need it. A couple I diamonds, need, man. Let me get a case quarter. You're good, man. I'm good for it, man. I'm good for it. I'll pay you next week. I'm just gonna get six new ports. I'm out. The king's like, listen, I got two points on every hundred thousand francs. <laughs> uh, he would also he would also help the um, with the opening of a porcelain factory um, in Wesp um, at, during that time. Uh, so we do know that he was he was active in other ventures. Mm. Um, he, he tried to open peace negotiations between Britain and France um, with the help of a, a Duke Louis uh, Ernest of Brunswick uh, Lunenburg. Um, but the uh, the British diplomats concluded that uh, that Saint Germain um, uh, that he had the backing of the uh, the Duke de Belle Isle and uh, possibly the Madame du Pompadour. Um, who are trying to uh, outmaneuver the French foreign minister um, and sort of try to get a deal that was beneficial um, to Austria out of the war. All right, so go ahead and explain that in, like, normal people terms. He tried to be a peace envoy between Britain. He tried to Jared Kushner, Britain and France. Well, he was, he was <laughs> trying to be a spoiler. Like, he was going around the actual French foreign minister, whose job it was to get peace, and he was trying to negotiate a different piece that would be beneficial. One might uh, say he was trying to negotiate a separate piece. Right. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, 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 oh, God damn it. Okay. <laughs> so he was basically trying to broker a peace deal for he his own. He was doing own. an end run around the official channels. He was, he was, he was doing one essentially at the behest of uh, Madame uh, de Pompadour and... Uh, the Duke de, de Belle Isle, um, who I assume wanted one that was more beneficial to France than giving uh, things to Austria. Okay, right. got it. Um, and and but Britain wouldn't um, wouldn't work with uh, Saint Germain unless he had credentials that came directly from uh, the French king. That's like an American uh, getting off the plane and being like, "I am here in the name of Uncle Joe Biden, and I need to talk to Queen Elizabeth." They can be like, "Get the fuck out of here." <laughs> Hey, get the fuck off our doorstep, I wore my sir. best pants. I'm here. <laughs> I'm here as an official representative of Uncle Joe Biden in the American government. <laughs> Bro. Well, at the time, you know, there was no way to check quickly. So he could get away with it for a while. Oh, true. Uh, the, the Duke de uh, uh, Trousseau uh, convinced uh, Louis XV to disavow St. Germain and have him arrested. Um, uh, the Count uh, Betanik uh, Darun, who was a Dutch diplomat, um, he he wouldn't um, he wouldn't handle the arrest warrant because he considered it a um, internal French matter, um, and believed that Holland um, shouldn't involve itself. Correct. Um, but um, because they th there was also the issue that that extraditing uh, Saint Germain uh, was also considered to be outside of uh, politics, um, so it was something that they that people within you know, the Dutch government considered they should do. So, okay, so he's in Amsterdam trying to broker peace between England and France. 
For Austria. For for Austria, right? Well, well, to end the war, but on terms that gets like Austria. Yeah, pro Austria, right? Okay, so pro Austria. Well, no, no, he's he's not the pro Austria one. He's the one that's with. Um, oh, he's trying to do. He's the opposite. He's, he's trying to make sure. Okay. Yeah, he's he's trying to get. Uh, I guess more favorable terms for France. Okay, but we we currently have four or five countries involved in this being headed up by a con artist. What? Well, well yeah, what? that's that's also why they didn't they wouldn't meet with him because they're like, well, we're not we're not going to talk with you unless you actually have yeah. you know actual diplomatic papers. Yeah, we don't know who the fuck you are. So okay, so um, again, so was he arrested in well, Amsterdam? Well, what happens is is that in order to get around this issue, um, the the count um, has a, a passport made by England for um, Saint Germain. Um, issued by the British Ambassador General uh, Joseph York, um, that would allow uh, Saint Germain to go to England. Um, so, so it essentially it would it would kick him out of uh, Amsterdam, and it would send him to England where he couldn't be um, prosecuted. Because remember, uh, England and France are at war during this time period. I feel like I'm like listening to something about like the Born Identity Part Four. Jesus Christ, so many different countries involved in this. Okay. But he is, at the time, officially hiding out in Amsterdam. Even though you said that they regarded the arrest warrant as like, man, we're not fucking, we're not messing with, with that shit. They didn't arrest yeah. him. Well, they, they said that they didn't want to do with, uh, deal with it, but they also didn't want to make France mad. Right, so did they end up arresting him or not? Well, no, like I said, they, they have facilitated for him to leave the country. Okay, okay. So it's like we can't do anything about this. They gave him bus fare. Apparently, the British gave him a passport, and we can't do anything about that. I'm sorry. Huh? They gave him a check for a hundred francs and a bus ticket. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Don't come back. Take le bus. Um. After that, uh, Saint Germain would travel around uh, Central um, Central Europe a lot and throughout Italy. Um. And in 1779, um, St. Germain arrived in, in Altoona in, in Schleswig. Um, Pennsylvania? Where, yeah. Um, where he, he met up with uh, an acquaintance of his who was the, uh, the Prince Charles of, of Hesha uh, Castle, um, who was also like very interested in sort of like mysticism and was involved in secret societies. Um, so the, the Count showed up and he convinces the Prince... Uh, that he had um, that he had sort of like created a way, um, a new method of, of coloring cloth um, which the prince was impressed by and he installed uh, the Count in an abandoned factory um, in Eckenford um, that that he would supply him with materials so that the uh, St. Germain could work on this project. Okay. Um, and, and after this um St. Germain would build an alchemical laboratory where he would do um, experiments. Um, and he also uh, cooperated in creating gemstones and jewelry. Uh, is this where righteous gemstones uh, come from? That's right. <laughs> the, uh, the very the, same. The prince later would recount in a letter that he considered like the count to be like one of the only people he could truly confide in. Huh. Well, this guy's good. Um, this guy's good. And this is where the... Uh, him being the son of the Transylvanian prince comes from, because that's what uh, Saint Germain tells uh, the prince. Okay. 
Um, the Count would die at his residence at this factory on February 27, 1784. Um, so the, uh, the death was recorded in the register of the St. Nikolai Church um, in Eckenford. So even if, he li- even if he was born in 1710, that's still 70-some-odd years old, 74 years old. Yeah. So he still lived a long life for a time period. Um, the, uh, he was officially buried at, um, Nikolai Church, which is the, uh, uh, and, um, which is in Eckenford, and he was buried in a private grave. Hmm. Um, and on April 3rd of the same year, the mayor and city council of Eckenford issued an official proclamation about auctioning off the count's remaining effects, um, in case no living relatives appeared, um, to, to claim them. Um, Prince Charles would donate the factory um, to uh, the the crown, and was a, um, and afterward it was converted into a hospital. Okay. Um, Some positives. Okay. A, a historian, uh, Jean uh, Overton Fuller, found uh, during her research uh, that the count estate upon his death was a packet of paid and and receipted bills um, and quittances, um, eighty two uh, Reichsdalters. And thirteen shillings, uh, cash, twenty-nine various groups of items of clothing, including gloves, stocking, trousers, shirts, uh, fourteen linen shirts, um, eight other groups of linen items, and various sundries such as razors, buckles, toothbrushes, sunglasses, and combs. Um, no diamonds, jewels, gold, or any other riches were listed, uh, nor were kept cultural items from travels, personal items like his violin, or any notes of correspondence. So we think in my man somebody had raided his shit and took all his good stuff or like he just never had it in the first place they did him dirty like tesla (laughs) yeah he he possibly never had them or um perhaps the the prince took them gotcha okay or he was a minimalist (laughs) (laughs) only the things that can fit in my stick and bindle and the memories in my head we know what happened. That the thieving bitch Marie Kondo. Whoa! She stole a system. Whoa! 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 whoa. <laughs> Throwing whoa. slander around like this guy. Oh, I, this guy. I, that 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 uh that take did not bring me joy. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> whoa! Hey, guy! Yo, look at this guy over here. Relax. Up Relax. Con- hey. con- how about you? How about you? Con don't. <laughs> <laughs> Come correct. You're coming out of pocket over here, Jesus. man. Relax. I, I kid. I kid. Marie Kondo does a lot of good. Not fucker, she's a bitch. <laughs> oh my god, shut the fuck up. <laughs> That's what's gonna tear tear the podcast apart, our stances on Marie Kondo. <laughs> oh man. Um, so a lot of myths um sort of spring up around uh, the Count de Saint Germain in the nineteenth century and early twentieth centuries. Um some of them include that he was, you know, that, that he was an immortal, um possibly the wandering Jew. Um, oh God! Was, that he was an alchemist who had perfected um, the elixir of life. Um, that he was nah, actually maybe that he was a Rosicrucian. Wait, so um, he 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 did Sam Adams elixir of life, yeah. bro? <laughs> Shut the fuck up! <laughs> um, and that he had prophesized the French Revolution before it happened. Hmm. Yeah, but what did he say? 
<laughs> is the thing. Because no, everybody's like, oh, Nostradamus predicted this. But then you go back and read it. It's like, bro, you could attribute this to 150 things over the last 10 years that this could you know, reliably be attributed to. Like, come on. I want to hear exactly like, okay, on December 19th, well, 2037, uh, an airliner is going to crash into uh, an open cornfield in Iowa. And yeah, like that's what I want to hear for a prediction. I don't want to hear, oh, sometime in the future, uh, something's going to fall from the sky. Get the fuck out of here. I think it more had to do with that somebody just made it up afterwards for like a story. Like I don't, I don't think it was him actually claiming that he he prophesied it would happen before it happened. I think it was just you know that you know somebody had somebody had said like well you know actually you know well, what you've told us our- about him so far would lead us to believe that he probably con artisted his way into this shit, saying oh I foresee a, a big conflict coming because I mean apparently he knows you know he's he's got the ins he's talking to people. Yeah, he might be able just to read the winds, if you will. Nah, he's full of shit, dude. Come on, he's <laughs> <laughs> just full of shit. He's just one more guy yeah. who's full of shit. He's a grifter of the highest order. He's a horoscope he's, chanter. He would be on. He would be on Alex Jones or Jim Baker. Look, as I said about. to my wife earlier today, the only real oracle is the game Taboo for the NES. Oh my god, uh, which came out in 1988. <laughs> Uh, it would actually be Zombies Ate My Neighbors for the Super <laughs> Nintendo that came out in 1997, I think. I don't know, Six? man. I I don't know. Okay, my my neighbors that. are my neighbors are alive. <laughs> oh, dude, um, if you never played it, you got played. It was said that he had encounters with the forger uh, Giuseppe uh, Balsamo. Giuseppe um, was Giuseppe who Balsamic. Was, uh, <laughs> who is the uh, the famous uh, Cagliostro? Ah, <laughs> there you London. go. And also that he had, uh, that he had hung out with the composer uh, uh, Remo in uh, Venice. Hmm. Um, and as mentioned before, you know he's an important figure in uh, Theosophy. He's considered one of the ascended masters, um, who are sort of like these uh, immortal um, bodhisattva type figures that that sort of like exist and help people tap into the Akashic record. What is um, the, the Akashic Record? Oh my the Akashic God. Record is sort of like the source code of the world, where you can sort of tap into the universal knowledge of everything. Like the life stream from Final Fantasy. It's, it's, Edgar, it's yes. Edgar Casey. Okay. Yeah. Edgar Casey is the life stream? Edgar Casey is the popularizer of the Akashic Records. Oh. Yeah, those are all certainly words he just said. <laughs> Yes. I understood them all on their own, with the exception of what did you say, Ashkenazi records? Ashkenazi <laughs> Ashken- records? Yeah, they're Ashkenazi Jewish records. That's what they are. Yeah, that's what they are. It's a lot of records. It's a lot of violin. It's a lot of. Um, it's a lot of. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of. <laughs> it's a lot of uh, like Quester music. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that what it's called, Quester? Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh man. Um, so he he becomes this figure, and it's kind of odd too, because like the way he's described, he sounds very you know like um, Latin. He 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 sounds like he's either like sort of like Italian or Spanish, and it seems that they sort of like lean that way. But in like the racist like world of Theosophy, along with like Jesus, that he's like an Aryan like like dude. Mm-hmm. Who wait? So who is it that believes he's like Aryan? Or sees him as Aryan. The uh, in Theosophy. Oh, 
Okay. Is that like Christianity thinking Jesus is a white dude, kind of? Uh, I think that's more just the fact that... I think it's worse, um, honestly. Well, yeah, but, but a lot of the reasons how Jesus is depicted is more just to relate to the people there. And I think, like, racists will say that, you know, he was actually, you know, white. Like, like white, white. Yeah, uh, okay. But, but, yeah, but sure usually... Thing. But usually with depictions, it's that, you know, um, it's just sort of to relate to people. Yeah, I think if there was a real Jesus, he's kind of like the emperor from 40K. He just shows up and... I don't think that if we had an looks like he depiction needs to look of what Jesus looked like, that it would be hung in as many living rooms in the Midwest. They all look I, like they need to look, basically. Yeah. That's, that's, I, that's how that works. That makes sense. I, I do like that theosophy, um, uh, Saint Germain looks like someone's like like anime like like fan art character where he's like <laughs> he's got the purple eyes and they're they're very anime like. <laughs> uh. um, next up on our group of um, people that um, we know existed but don't know like really anything about them. Is uh, Agent three fifty five? Oh, this one's this one's interesting. You know about um, this one? I, I Steve introduced it to me actually, but I think I knew about uh, like something that was referencing it. But anyway, so uh, there's only uh, direct references to Agent three fifty five. Um, there's only one reference to her, and what's called the Copper Ring Missives, um, which were from seventeen seventy eight to seventeen eighty. Um, and it appears in a letter from Abraham Woodhull, um, who was going under the, the alias uh, Samuel Culper Sr. Um, to General George Washington, uh, where Woodhull describes her as, quote-unquote, one who hath been ever serviceable to this correspondence. Um, so the Culper Ring was a network of spies that were operated by um, the American patriots during the American Revolutionary War. Um, that had been organized by Major Benjamin Talmadge and General George Washington in 1778 um, during the British occupation of New York City. Okay. That just, that just sounds so, like, weird. The British occupation of New York City. <laughs> sounds like fan um, fiction. Yeah. The, the name uh, Culper um, was suggested by Washington and taken from uh, the, the name of Culpeper County um, in Virginia. Uh, birthplace of Dante Culpepper. I knew. I Eagles. fucking knew <laughs> that you were gonna do that. Like, <laughs> I mean, I just knew it was happening. Philadelphia Uggles. <laughs> you need some water. You need some water. You need some water over there. Water. Yeah, go get some Rita's Let's, water ice. Yeah, let's, let's wrap this up and get us a, a water ice. Let's get a Reader's water ice. Readers. Uh, the leaders of the spy ring, which is the, the first actual like spy ring in American history, were Abraham Woodhull and Robert Townsend, um, and they used the aliases Samuel Culpepper Sr. and Samuel Culpepper Jr., uh, respectively. Uh, Talmadge was referred to as John Bolton. <coughs> okay. Hmm. Uh, <coughs> hmm. <laughs> So while while Talmadge was sort of the handler of the spies, uh, Washington was the one at the top, sort of directing their operations. Um, 
their their main uh, sort of task that they they provided was to inform on the actions and operations of the British Army in New York City, um, primarily their their headquarters there. Okay. Um, they operated mostly in New York City, Long Island, and Connecticut um, between late October 1778 and then the British evacuation of New York in 1783. Okay. Um, information that the spying was able to find out were including the details of a surprise attack um, on the French after they had first arrived in America um, under uh, General uh, Rochambeau um, in Newport, <laughs> Rhode Island. Um, and also as well that they had planned to counterfeit um, American currency um, on the same paper used um, by the Americans to print uh, the Continental Dollar, um, which caused the Continental Congress to retire those bills. Okay. Um, the, the ring also informed uh, Washington of, of a raid in 1779 uh, by, by Tyron um, that was intended to divide uh, Washington forces and allow Lieutenant General um, Sir Henry Clinton to attack them um, piecemeal. Sir Henry Clinton? Yes. Okay, do I need to make the joke or can we just... <laughs> yes. <laughs> the great, the great, great uncle of Bill? Yes. <laughs> well, now I'm going to attack those armies when I want to. <laughs> <laughs> we just sent it to the front lines. I'll meet them there. They'll surrender to my powers. Um, so we don't really know the the identity of uh, Agent 355, uh, um, but we do know that she was an active spy um, that had been most likely recruited by Woodhull. Um, and that we know that she probably had, due to how she spoke about in encoded missives, that she had some degree of social prominence. Okay, so, so she was, was a somebody, yeah. She was a somebody. So we know that she likely lived in New York City um, at that time, um, and at some point had contact um, with Major uh, John Andre and Benedict Arnold. She probably did stand-up improv, um, and she was probably an avid uh, visitor of uh, Geno's on the corner yeah. of 3rd and Main. Yeah, George. <laughs> she, was, she was a veteran of the UCB. George, Was <laughs> George Washington founder at Catch a Rising Star. She was at the yeah. first uh, production of Hamilton on Broadway, actually. Lynn manuel Miranda. Sir, I'm sorry, <laughs> Sir Lynn manuel <laughs> um, One believed... Uh, person who could have been agent 355 was an Anna Strong who was uh, Woodhull's neighbor. Okay. Um, Why? So Strong, Strong had allegedly helped the Culper Ring by signaling to its members the location of uh, uh, Caleb Brewster um, and um, that that he was a um, that he was sort of a um, like a raider who raided uh, British shipments um, in a whaling boat um, off the coast of, the, of Long Island in the Long Island Sound. But um, then why would she... And that's so they could give him, like, a location to hide. Ah, okay, okay. Um, another theory is that uh, Agent 355 could have been Robert Townsend's common-law wife. Because um, yeah. the stories about Townsend uh, state that he was in love with Agent 355. Who wasn't? I know. Agent 355 is hot. Oh, this is great stuff. Um, and <laughs> Got me burned in my loins. 
And it's also been made the case um, by historians John Burke and, and Andrea Mayer um, that 355's um, involvement in the spy ring uh, used circumstantial evidence that, sh- that proved that she may have been close to Major John Andre and also to Benjamin Talmadge, uh, thereby protecting her from accusations of being a spy. Can I throw my hat in the ring for who I think it was? Who was it? Martha Washington. <laughs> the first lady herself. <laughs> no one would have thought. <laughs> Hollywood, get at me green like this. <laughs> the first lady is a fucking huge spy. Oh my gosh. Um, Melissa McCarthy, pay attention. So the other candidates include uh, Sarah Horton Townsend and, and Elizabeth Burgett. Um, So some some also believe that she may have not been formally a member of the ring, um, but someone who had useful information that could be used by the ring. Because hmm. she's referred to as a um, as a woman and not as an agent who was a woman. Oh, so okay. she may just be a snitch. She just called the crime line up and you know gave her <laughs> gave her information. <laughs> I remember that old Family Guy joke where he jumps on the phone back, way back in the day, and he's like, he gets a wrong number, and the guy's like, who are you trying to call? He's like, I'm trying to call four. He goes like, well, this is seven. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got seven. <laughs> um, it's believed, though, that she played a major role in exposing uh, Benedict Arnold as a, as a defector. Oh, um, okay. And also helped in the arrest of Andre, um, who was later hanged in Tappan, New York. Okay. Yeah, get get rid um, of Benedict Arnold out of here. So it it for that reason too, it's also believed that she might have been a member of a prominent loyalist family, um, which would have put her within easy reach of the British commanders who were dealing with these things. Okay. Um, she wouldn't be a loyalist. Well, well, yeah, she's helping the the patriots. Yeah, okay. Um. So, in in seventeen eighty, it's believed that she might have been arrested. Um, we're not entirely sure, but it is given that um, that after Benedict Arnold uh, defected, that it sort of blew her cover. Because he was able to get away, and then the fact that they that they knew, like, that nobody else would have known about it, that they were able to sort of, like, that she got burned. Yeah, uh, I follow. Uh, okay. It's one of those, um, it, okay, we fi- if he gets clipped, then it's definitely coming back to her. Okay. She's um, the only one we told. That's it, get her. Uh, it's believed that she was imprisoned on the HMS Jersey, which was a prison ship, um, where she had given birth to a boy named Robert Townsend Jr. Um, and she would later die on the ship. However, um, historian Alexander Rose disagrees with this narrative because um, he says that women were not kept aboard uh, prison ships um, and that there's no record of this birth, so it's probably apocryphal. Um, and it's also the the fact too that they believe that she might have been Anna Strong is the fact that Anna's husband Sella Strong was imprisoned on the Jersey and she was supposedly allowed to bring him food. Um, so her going to visit the ship might have helped create that legend, you know, that she was being held on the ship. Okay, that's weird. Be- because there's a woman hanging around the ship and people are like, oh, well, you know, that's that's Agent Three Fifty Five. I want to update my prediction. It's not Martha Washington. After hearing them all, it's not her. It's Come Mary on. Todd. It's Mary Todd Lincoln. Oh my god! <laughs> it's it's Betsy fucking Ross. So- 
Son of a bitch, I knew it. <laughs> the woman who made the flag that everybody wants to fuck. <laughs> oh my god. There's that, that drill tweet. <laughs> fuck. That, that drill tweet. The guy working at the, the museum. Hey pal, they won't even let me fuck the flag. They won't even let me fuck it. Apparently, George Washington and the Culper Spy Ring was known as Agent 7-Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking. I'm on MountVernon.org. And that was well, you know his what? name. You know what, Steve? Thank heaven. For 7-Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Dude, we cracked it. 7-Eleven is the current Culper Spy Ring. That's why there's so many of them. That's why they're like Seven. right across the corners from each other and they're in old cities. I feel like I'm in a Dan Brown novel. Yeah, dude. 7 Eleven is the actual deep state that controls yeah. America. Yeah. And, and <laughs> all those, when you order, all those... there's a certain flavor of Slurpee and you have to place the order at the counter. And when you do, they slide the Slurpee machine aside and you go down and deep into the catacombs. So, oh, man. You have to. You have to ask for a roller hot dog, yeah. and and then you have to get something else to get the combo. But while you're ordering it, they have like the 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 surly quirk has their hand on like a gun that's like magnetized to the bottom of the counter. <laughs> it's a fucking. It's just like a pistol, like with a plug-in shot, just like black powder. It's got one shot because he's that good. We're gonna take you out if you fucking expose it. Uh, and all you hear is your eyes. Just everything goes to black. Is oh thank heaven. <laughs> oh no, they have the uh, they they have the Havana syndrome gun under the. Oh uh, the yeah, they just microwave your balls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they make you feel like you you have a hangover. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Fuck no. Mm mm. Uh, the next person we're gonna talk about is one John Allen. Uh, Wait, what Pichard. happened to Agent Three Fifty Five? Where'd she go? <laughs> We don't know. So we just so like in this in this case, there's no like Count of Saint Germain racist theosophy thing. It's just that it's a historical person that's never been positively identified. Yeah, okay. and that who who played a role in history, but we don't really know huh. like exactly since a lot of that isn't written about. Um, but the the Culper Ring and and her have sort of come into popular culture yeah. more often lately because you know it's. Like, this whole concept of, you know, a spy ring before and a spy agency, because the United States didn't even have yep. a, a spy agency, really, aside from, like, the Black Chamber of World War One, the OSS in World War Two, They didn't really have a permanent one until the CIA. There's a show uh, called White Collar. Uh, it was, it's pretty good. It's, it's kind of it's kind of hokey sometimes, but it's, it's pretty entertaining. It's over now, too. Um, and that's where I heard about it. Because they actually have a, a plot in one of the episodes where one of the women is Agent Three Three Fifty Five, and it's the Culper Spy Ring. Okay. It's real. It's really interesting. I, I definitely recommend watching the show. It's better than you when you watch after the first season. You'll find what I mean. It's better than you think it is. But anyway, okay. Uh, Steve, did you say we're doing John Allen Muhammad next? No, John Allen Kuchar uh, Zagris. Okay, I was going to say John Allen Muhammad is oh, definitely John a real Zegris. person. <laughs> Johnny Zegris. Uh, so, on October of 1959, uh, a person is recorded uh, named uh, John Allen Kuchar uh, Zegris, age 36, entering Japan with his Korean wife. Wait, okay, okay. 
So a guy is trying to get into Japan with his Korean wife. The guy well, he does get into Japan. Okay, he gets into Japan. Is he a white guy? Is he a Korean guy? Is he? Well, what is he? I, I believe he's described as being of like sort of um, Middle Eastern um, sort of uh, appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, three months after after his arrival in Japan, um, he's arrested by the police in uh, Morunochi, uh, Japan. On, on the suspicion of identity fraud. Okay. Um, he had tried to cash uh, a 200,000 uh, yen check, um, $140 uh, um, a traveler's check at the Japanese office of Chase Manhattan Bank um, and 100,000 yen at a Japanese office of the Bank of Korea. Okay. Which um, is a lot of money yeah. um, at that time. Uh, even more so then, because uh, the hundred forty dollars is around uh, fifty thousand four hundred yen. Okay, but uh, uh, but so what it sounds like if okay, so if fifty thousand yen is one hundred forty bucks, and he was cashing what two hundred thousand dollar checks, so he's doing like what six hundred seven hundred dollar checks. Yeah, in the in the fifties. Yeah, in the okay, so yeah, this is this, this is not an insignificant amount of money back then. Um, the. The case is investigated by the Tokyo Metropolitan Police uh, Public Security Bureau um, by one um, Atsuyuki uh, Sasa, um, who would later write about Zegris in his uh, memoirs. Okay. Um, Zegris would claim that he was the ambassador of uh, uh, Negus uh, Habis, um, and he would reference um, Abyssinia, and that he would claim that he'd had um, diplomatic immunity from from that, and also that he was an American spy. Oh, so he's Ethiopian. Well, he <laughs> says when he when he asked about his country, he said it lies to the south of Ethiopia. Oh, um, I heard you. He I also, thought I heard you say Abyssinia. That would be Ethiopia, wouldn't it? Yeah, but he's he's just sort of throwing around terms, as you'll you'll find out. Okay. Um, he had a he had a large. Uh, a document they claimed was a passport. It was about the size of a magazine and had written uh, Negus uh, Habasinia uh, Sibian on it in an unknown script resembling Arabic. Okay. Um, although it contained the stamps of Japanese embassies in different East Asian countries, uh, the passport was determined to be uh, fabricated. Hmm. So this is very uh, born identity now. Son of a bitch. Also, uh, he had a visa that was issued by the Japanese embassy in Taipei. Um, and uh, according to the records, um, he would claim that he was, um, he was born in the U.S., uh, moved to the U.K. through Czechoslovakia and Germany, and attended high school there. During World War II, he was a pilot of the Royal Air Force and was once captured by the Germans. Uh-oh. After, after the war, he lived in Latin America. So he was Later, a Nazi? Later, he became a spy for the Americans in South Korea, served as a pilot in Thailand and Vietnam, and after that, he was assigned by the United Arab Republic with a mission that became dip, uh, to, with a mission and became a diplomat in Negus uh, Habis, a, a country lying close to Ethiopia. Um, he arrived to Japan for a secret mission, which included recruiting Japanese military volunteers for the United Arab Republic. Wait, so he was a pilot in World War II and a pilot in Vietnam? I I, I don't believe it's like a, a like a military pilot. I think he means it's like a covert pilot. Uh, it's also nineteen fifty nine. Okay, okay. Um, 
But after uh, contacting the mentioned countries, it was ruled out that all the information he gave was not actually factual, um, and that the seals in his uh, his his alleged passport were proven to be fabricated. Uh, you don't say. Shocked Pikachu face over here. (laughs) (laughs) On on August 10th, 1960, uh, the Tokyo District Court uh, reviewed the case um, and sentenced Zegras to one year in prison. Um, After this was announced, he tried to commit suicide by cutting his his veins with a piece of glass that he had secretly brought into the court. Ah, see, that's where he fucked up. You gotta go for the artery, not the vein. (laughs) This um, is in no way me endorsing this, but, you know, if you're going to do it, do it right. Fuck, Jesus Christ, dude. Jesus after, Christ. <laughs> after the release, uh, Zagros was deported uh, from Japan to Hong Kong, and there he was recorded to, um, and he was recorded entering the country uh, there, and his wife was also deported to South Korea. Uh, but what happens is, is on August 15th, 1960, um, an issue of the Vancouver uh, province, which is a newspaper, um, it was reported that in an article titled The Man with His Own Country that John Allen uh, Kuchar Zegers claimed to be a naturalized Ethiopian with an intelligence uh, an intelligence agent for Colonel Nasser um, and carried a passport issued at uh, Taman Reset, the capital of Talred, uh, south of the Sahara. Hmm. Um, Talred is likely a misspelling of Tareg. Um, Tuareg, and, the desert people. And, and, the VW and, and, car? Yeah. And Which is also Tom named and, after the desert people. Oh. And, and Tom and Rasset is a, uh, is a province of Algeria. I took a book when I was in like, uh, oh man, I don't know, sixth, fifth grade, something like that. And uh, they were giving away like books from the library to put new books in. And I took a book called The Tuareg. Mm-hmm. Which is all about those people. So it's like mm-hmm. one of those weird things I know about. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's cool. It is interesting. Steve, they are interesting. Steve's actually one of the foremost uh, Toreg scholars in right. the Eastern Seaboard. Right, because I was being <laughs> arrogant. So. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. He just got he just got really deep into it, and you know, read all about them. And well, it's one of those things language. where if you don't get in deep, you know, you might as well just not come at all. You know. Next time you come in here, you come heavier. Don't come at all. Um, and the newspaper also cited um, text in in a quote unquote Tarred language written with Latin characters. Hmm. Um, and earlier too, in July 29th, nineteen sixty, um, the the story in this form was mentioned in the British House of Commons, um, and it was cited by an MP, Robert Matthew, as an argument. Uh, for quote unquote, that passports are not very good uh, security checks, because he was talking about you know cases of people like forging passports yeah. and then, you know getting into the country. I always felt like that was kind of a wacky way of determining you know if you should be there, because I mean you could, I mean passports get forged right all the time. It's a lot harder now, but but back then, because um, there's a lot of like. Um, like digital like RFID chips and stuff and passports. Oh, I didn't know they did that. That's cool. Yeah. Is there really? I gotta go find I gotta yeah, go find like, my passport and look at it now. If you look at the front of your passport, there's like a little square with a symbol on it and like that is yeah. the RFID chip. Oh fuck me running. You, there it is. Okay. Cause when you uh when you go into the country running. they usually they usually place <laughs> your passport on a scanner. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
I didn't even realize that. Okay. Okay. That's pretty fucking cool. Um, so in a book in 1964 by uh, Jacques uh, Bergier, um, he tells a version of the story of a, a person from a quote-unquote uh, country called uh, uh, Tared, which is in eastern Africa, and it stretched from uh, Mauritania to Sudan and included a large part of Algeria, was arrested in 1954 in Japan during a passport check and was shut up in a psychiatric hospital when it was revealed that he came to, quote-unquote, buy arms for the true Arab le- uh, legion. Mm. Uh, the country in the story alludes to the United Arab Republic, um, which at that time was um, Syria and Egypt. Okay. Um, the the story, again, would be mentioned in 1981 in a book by Colin Wilson and John Grant. Um, and they would, again, misspell uh, uh, Tuareg as uh, tar as tarred t-a-u-r-e-d so shitty book <laughs> um but what eventually happens is is that this becomes sort of like an urban legend in japan um as as sort of like japanese websites sort of take up this story um and they refer to it as the man from another dimension oh my what? god come on man come on reel it in that's, and some, they would, that's they, some anime shit. Yep. And they would say that he Fucking arrived at, at, at Haneda Airport <laughs> in 1954, that he had possessed this passport, and when asked about his country, uh, he would point at Andorra on a map, but was confused as he'd never heard of Andorra. Um, he was placed in a hotel with two guards for the investigation, but he would disappear from the hotel the following morning. He just walked out. All right, guys. <laughs> See you later. Go grab a coffee. I'll be back. Well, you know, he just he just phased back to his normal reality and. Oh yeah, sorry, I forgot. He's the, the yeah, sorry. He's an anime. He went back to anime land. <laughs> uh. So it was the Japanese that made it into something like crazy. It wasn't naturally that way. Yeah. Ah, okay, okay. But do we still uh, so- not really know his derivation or? We don't really know. It's most likely that he was just like a scam artist. Right. Who got burned and then he probably just was running other scams that weren't as like brazen as, you know, fake magazine sized passport. You know, didn't have a copy of highlights he was wielding around like a passport. <laughs> I did all the mazes and the find the pictures, okay? You'll you'll <laughs> notice that I found the comb. It was here up in the tree. Yeah, it was hard right to find, up in the but tree. I found it. I found it quickly. My wife said it took less than eleven minutes, but it's I, right there. I feel like it was ten minutes. It's right there. <laughs> and there's actually eight differences between these two photos. <laughs> you wouldn't believe how good I am at Where's Waldo and those I Spy books. You know, the thing with the difference photos is that nobody, and you're not going to fool Johnny Zeeks, but nobody <laughs> takes in the fact that the the overall picture is different. So there's always one difference. They're slight. <laughs> but they're there. <laughs> Don't even get me started on Goofus and go on. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we'll leave off there. Um, oh. Sort of have a, a shorter episode to give give Steve a break during the holidays. Yeah. Yep. How was you guys Thanksgiving, by the way? Good. Yeah, it was good. Uh, good. good night, night. Good. Nothing, nothing crazy. I ate well. And, I'm uh, still full. I have. I worked it off yesterday. I, I went, like, absolutely, like, bad shit, like, 
steroid abuser on the rowing machine. <laughs> just, doing, Bond. just doing interval training on it, and I was just, oh, and just playing Metallica. That was great. Oh, man. <laughs> but, then, uh, you, then you drank some, uh, some of that Metallica whiskey, the blacked whiskey. Did they make Aww. blackened whiskey? No. Well, no, what it is, is it is, um, it's whiskey, where they played they played a, 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 a like a list of Metallica songs like a playlist of Metallica songs into the barrel while it was fermenting. And that's it for this week. All right, hey guys, so, uh, we will catch y'all. I'm gonna go ahead and wrap that up. Steve, there's always a point where Steve gives us a little too much information. I didn't need to know that that kind of thing existed. Well, I'm gonna have to return your Christmas present. Ah, fuck. Nah, keep it. I'll drink it. All right, I'm gonna go watch the Gators finish just looking absolutely atrocious against Florida State. <laughs> it's so bad. All right, later. All right, later. later. talk about Tom and Shoe next week. So there's a lot to that one. Sorry, I...